0: Welcome to the Proud to be Profane Podcast. Your initiation into the ways of the square. To resurrect the wretch and pee on the all-seeing pyramid of Illuminati enlightenment. And now, here's your host, Mr. Michael Joseph. Welcome to the Proud to be Profane Podcast. Welcome to episode number 24. We're going to talk about another sensitive issue, and this is with Mr. Ignatius Loyola and the Jesuits. Now there's a lot of conspiracy theories about the Jesuits, and there's a lot of things that people take issue with the Jesuits in a holistic way. And I wouldn't disagree in the modern sense of a lot of problems coming from the majority of Jesuits and their rhetoric today in modernity. But is that the same as the Jesuits for several centuries throughout European Christendom? So are there some important distinctions to be made in discussing all this? And as most people are aware of, there certainly are. But if you're new to this, you can't exactly lump them all into one. But setting that aside, we're gonna talk about Ignatius of Loyola and some accusations that you will find against him. From all types in the alternative media, about being a crypto Jewish subversive infiltrator and Illuminist who was secretly an Alumbrado And of course, we've heard that these were the same folks that created the Illuminati in Bavaria and Freemasonry and caused the French Revolution. Now, we've talked about how absurd the latter parts of that are after reading through Barwell's memoirs, despite many people still promoting that. But we're going to focus a little bit more specifically on Ignatius in this podcast in the first hour. And the second hour will flesh out some more of the issues surrounding the Converso crisis in Spain and in the Jesuit order particularly in the first 40, 50, or 60 years of its incarnation. We touched upon some of these things in occult Catholicism, but since we still hear these same claims repeated over and over and over again in regards to the origins of the Jesuits as being subversive from the start and always corrupted, well, we'll flesh that out and condense it into a podcast here. So, if you've been hearing that Ignatius of Loyola was a crypto-illuminist subverter, and that's the deep, dark truth they don't want you to know, well, perhaps that viewpoint is actually the deception. Welcome to episode number 24. We're going to talk about the Jesuits today, and specifically Ignatius of Loyola. And the reason I want to talk about this, obviously we've been through it in occult Catholicism to some degree, but there's this idea that floats around in the alternative media, especially when people research the more esoteric sides of it, that the Jesuits are a subversive group They're not even Christian at all and they're some sort of demonic entity and have always been. They've never been good and some people, many people, place them at the top of the chain of the New World Order today. Now, I don't think any of those positions make any sense to me after having seriously looked into them. I certainly considered them because when you quote-unquote wake up, and have no idea what's going on, and you were vastly undereducated, or given an education that had so much propaganda and things that didn't really make sense, then you're impressionable and you're open to all kinds of crazy stuff, especially if you believe that the media is not exactly forthcoming on most major events or things happening. And you don't really trust anything, right? So why should I trust the Jesuits? (laughs) That's kind of the vibe you get when you first walk into all of this. But I noticed that when I looked through some of the, uh, I guess, Jesuit fear porn, as I call it, um, usually coming from more Protestant-minded folks, but of course there is an esoteric side as well. Well, you notice a lot of grandiose claims and a lot of stuff that when you check out the, uh, I don't know, the things like the Jesuit Oath and and whatever it is, you find that they just come from really suspect sources where people seem like they have an axe to grind, and you're trusting eyewitness testimony from people that seem a little unstable or kind of deceptive themselves. And not to mention making the distinctions between infiltration and the actual bulk of the order throughout the centuries. And one of the books that I think really helps set aside a lot of that nonsense is the book by Robert Alexander Merrick's The Jesuit Order as a Synagogue of Jews. And I've mentioned this before in Occult Catholicism, but I think it's still relevant. I've heard people say that they've read this book, and it proves that the Jesuits were crypto-Jews, and that's it. They're Illuminist infiltrators trying to destroy Western civilization, and they've always been so. And if you read the book, and you come away with that, I just don't get it. I don't understand how you could go through the things in this book to claim that unless you didn't understand what you were reading or you didn't read it or you understood it and you're uh, being deceptive. Now, I think that the last example there being willfully deceptive after reading stuff like this, I think that that's very rare. And I don't know what might blind people to reading through stuff like this and not having them comprehend what's being written, but this happens all the time, right? I think one of the examples I use is when I read Ayn Rand's book. Again, I'm not promoting Ayn Rand in some all encompassing sense, just that I happen to agree with a decent amount of what she wrote and. I guess, what was it, The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged. Um, what was more puzzling to me than anything that I disagreed with in Ayn Rand's books was people's reactions to her writings. And what happened was I read those two books without knowing there was any controversy surrounding her. They were just recommended by a friend. And so I read them. I enjoyed them. I flew through them Um, I didn't like certain parts and they were kind of major things I didn't like this idea of man being God in this kind of prideful way or this way that I just thought was a little absurd but generally speaking there was a lot of things that I agreed with Um, and so later on I found out she was very controversial And so I started looking up what people had a problem with. And what was really odd to me is that people would make these claims about what she was promoting in her books. And I found them to be the opposite of what these people were saying. And usually this was in regards to some sort of economics or the idea of selfishness and individualism. right? And... So when I found those things to be clearly defined in the books, the way people thought of those things was just the surface idea of selfishness, right? Um, and I think that, you know, people's perception of it was just so off. And ironically, the people who would say something about Ayn Rand saying, well, she's wrong on this and this is how I think it should be. Well, I found that when they said that this is how I think the world should run, Ayn Rand agreed with them in her book. So why do they think that she's saying the opposite, and they're actually agreeing with the same damn thing that she was saying in any particular context? I can't think of a specific example because it's been a long time since I've read those books. But the point being, I found that people just had no idea what they were talking about. And what they were refuting about her wasn't even stuff that she said. And so how does that happen? And a lot of these people were claiming they read the books. And so that's even more puzzling, right? So what is it about somebody's subjectivity or their preconceived hostility that was clouding something to such a vast degree, right? Now, we all do this we all have a preconceived notion and we use our intuition to kind of preliminarily judge things or people or movements or stuff. And we have our own built-in systems of red flags that come up, but I'm talking about stuff that is just so opposite and to a vast degree of, of difference and distortion versus some minor little things where, Um, You might not like somebody, but at least you're generally representing their viewpoint mostly correctly, right? There's a difference between, I guess, mortal misunderstandings and venial ones, to put it in a Catholic terminology. And so I saw a lot of mortal misunderstandings in regards to Ayn Rand, and that's exactly how I feel about Loyola and the Jesuits. And so with that analogy in mind... I just wanted to talk about some of the stuff you'll find out there from a lot of people. This is coming from a lot of different uh, alternative media figureheads that are very prominent, very popular. And I don't understand exactly the reasons why they might be saying these things about the Jesuits and Loyola that I just find to be kind of absurd. Uh, Maybe they're just taking research from people they trust Maybe they're getting it intuitively. Maybe the Holy Spirit's given it to them. But if so, then why is the Holy Spirit completely wrong? <laughs> Shouldn't you question your source of intuition if that's part of your uh, way of finding these things? And I guess that that really mostly applies to uh, excuse me applies to uh, people in the more Protestant mindset. But regardless of all that, let's talk about what you'll generally hear from these types of folks. You will hear that the Jesuits were crypto-Jews, meaning that they were subverters of Christianity, and this was their main access point in order to infiltrate and destroy it. Um, That's one side of it. And then there's another weird side of the Jesuit conspiracy coin where the Jesuits are a faction of a Babylonian mystery religion that wants to scapegoat the Jews and blame everything of the quote-unquote conspiracy on them and that they created Islam and Islam's used to attack Judaism, I guess. I don't know. It's more of the Protestant Zionist version. Again, this is like the Jack Chick stuff. So those are two very opposite things. And that's what I notice you'll find with a lot of these controversies. You'll have two people claiming a conspiracy, but their reasons for it and how it works are 180 degrees opposite each other. And that is what I think gives a suspicion or a red flag of being some sort of dialectic formed for a reason that is pitting two sides against each other, but they are unifying on the same thing, despite if they're aware of it or not. And does that mean you're controlled by a certain puppet master, be it uh, the machinations of men, or perhaps the machinations of entities, if you want to get more wild about it, right? If you want to get more metaphysical. And so... What does that mean? How does that work? But we're going to look more at the idea of the crypto-Jewish infiltration uh, in this podcast. All these people you'll find prominent in the alternative media circuits who analyze things from an esoteric side of the coin. Um, Generally speaking, they all have some big problem with the Jesuits as being tied to these New World Order elite factions Even if they disagree on how to deal with those things. Now I'm not making some comment on those guys. I'm just saying objectively they promote stuff like this. I don't know all the reasons why. I'm not going to speculate on it. I don't really care right now. Um, This isn't a personal attack. This is just saying that this is a viewpoint that's out there. Um, And I think it's a huge problem. Because if it's not true and you're in the truther world then obviously that's an issue. Now, we can't know everything and some things we've got to go with our gut or speculate on, but I think that there's certain speculations and uh, you know, general beliefs that are more tenable than others. And I think that this idea of the Jesuits being crypto-Jews ever since the beginning is just an untenable position. So, once again, we talked about this in Occult Catholicism, but let's get more specific. So, what we're going to do is go through a little bit of Alexander Merrick's book, The Jesuit Order, The Synagogue of Jews. And you can actually get this as a free PDF download, which is really amazing considering it's a Brill book, and usually those books are super expensive. Between two, 300 dollars sometimes more, depending. Um, so this will save you a few hundred bucks. And in the description, I'll put the link. And I'm assuming it's still available under PDF last time I checked. Um, so go read it for yourself if you think that I'm full of crap or I'm giving out quote-unquote disinfo. And I'd also say that the people who promote these things and they're not out there being researchers or going on different channels and giving interviews and whatever, if these are people who are just listening to those types, taking in information, doing stuff on their own, and they're not actually going out there and trying to put out info, you know, this isn't really as focused on that. But when people say that they've read these same books that we're going through and they're coming to 180 degree opposite conclusions, well, that's something people might want to know about and be concerned about. And so these things are out there. These things are causing confusion. And again, I don't know the reasons why I can speculate, but we're not going to focus on the personal issues with people promoting this idea. But we want to try to rectify it because when you do hear it, perhaps it will help you slice that area out if people start promoting this rhetoric of Ignatius Loyola being a crypto-Jew or an Illuminist, an Alumbrado as they call it. And that is somehow tied to the Bavarian Illuminati or insert any conspiracy theory on that here, whatever version. So. What we're going to do is go to page 63 of Merrick's book. And so if someone was to be a crypto-Jewish infiltrator, if you were going to have some sort of belief in the quote-unquote Jewish conspiracy, um, we're going to try to take as much of a balanced approach to this as possible. But if that was to be objectively true here with the Jesuits... Well, you would probably find certain patterns of behavior and what they would promote or support that would be beneficial to Jewish power or emancipation because during this time, for the most part, they were not let into power or there were restrictions because there was a battle and the Catholics knew things that were in the Talmud and what they said about. Jesus Christ, and his mother Mary, amongst other things dealing with the Gentiles. And so, not letting them into power, it's not like that's some irrational thing. They just knew that their religion was 180 degrees opposed to Catholicism, and it caused problems. So, protecting against that, it's not some bigoted, hateful, irrational thing. It's just common sense. And particularly in relationship to Spain, the Jews had collaborated with the Muslims to try to attack the Catholics, and those things were done in a sort of fifth-column fashion. And so are you protecting from that, right? There's a history here. This isn't just some arbitrary thing. And so the point being, if these Jesuits, on the whole... Would be attempting to implement policies that would be favorable and useful to the Jews, right? Now, the Jews had been expelled from Spain at this point when the Jesuits came into creation. And so, this is really a battle of crypto Judaism. This would be the last issue to deal with if the Jews had moved on to Amsterdam or Turkey or the New World. And anytime they're referred to in Merrick's book, It would be referring mostly to the Papal States' policies on Jews living there, such as in Italy. And so, what usually happens here in Merrick's book, I've noticed, is that there is evidence for a particular attitude of favor towards Jews or conversos, I should say, but the idea of the conversos is that Many of them were secretly Jews, and you can find this admitted by a lot of Jewish historians. Now, some will take the sincere conversion narrative and act like that was always the case, but there's actually, I think, relatively few that do that, as far as I've come across. But what the conspiracy side will do is they will take Loyola's favorable moments or openness to conversos as proof of being a converso himself or some sort of infiltrator. And they miss the other side that balances out that equation and ironically would just be the Catholic policy where, yes, there is an admittance that there is a problem with Jews who convert and aren't sincere. That's a thing. It's not like they're just going to ignore that. But you don't reject them because they're Jewish from converting. That's against the entire message of the gospel and the Catholic Church. Despite some quote-unquote old Christians, as they called them, being a little bit more elitist about it and a little bit more uh, in fear of such things and leading to stuff like the purity of blood laws, limpieza, as they called it. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but back to what we said with page 63. Let's read a little quote that balances this out, and Merricks makes that point to do so. Where he says, quote, Loyola's open-mindedness towards Jewish converts must be contrasted with his support of the anti-Jewish papal legislation, during the pontificate of the feared and disliked by the first Jesuits, Pope Paul IV. Indeed, Loyola had many copies of Carafa's most discriminatory bull, which they list the bull in Latin, I'm not going to say it because I'll probably mispronounce it, and this was shipped to Jesuit houses, and Loyola ordered that it be observed. So, if there is a discriminatory papal bull coming out, that is saying we need to not let the Jews have power or, you know, keep them in the ghettos or or whatever is going on. Well, Loyola is distributing that. And if he was a crypto Jewish infiltrator, wouldn't he take all of those copies and just burn them, throw them somewhere else, try not to distribute them? He was obedient to the anti-Jewish policies coming from the Pope. Even if he didn't agree with them or parts of them, he was still observing it and even spreading out copies of it. So that is really just counterproductive behavior for somebody who is an alleged crypto-Jewish infiltrator. Continuing, among the many economic and religious restrictions for Jews in the Papal States, the Pope's document established the first Roman ghetto and forced Jews to wear distinctive yellow hats for the males or ker- uh, kerchief for the females for quote, it is completely senseless and <clears throat> excuse me senseless and inappropriate to be in a situation where Christian piety allows the Jews whose guilt all of their own doing has condemned them to eternal slavery. To access our society and even to live among us. So that's a pretty hardcore view. Now you have to identify what eternal slavery might mean in that context. If you are going against the principles of God and Christ and you don't repent and you don't accept, then that is a form of sin, which is slavery, right? It's an error. And so errors lead to bad things. That's the Catholic teaching. So it's not saying that they are eternally slaves and bound to that and they have no free will. You have to understand the context. But back then, were they a little bit more forward about things? Whereas in our society today, we get really offended by stuff really quickly, really easily. And it was a different world. And is that coming from the sides of the Jews where they were probably more forward about stuff as well? for better or for worse. Continuing, Loyola, despite his reservations, obeyed the Vicar of Christ unconditionally, but the logical consequence of his acceptance of Jewish converts into the Catholic Church was his non-discriminatory policy towards candidates of Jewish origin who desired to join the Jesuit order. It seems that Loyola's firm refusal to incorporate the Iberian purity of blood concept into Jesuit constitutions was the result of a long discernment. So, Loyola is having some struggles in dealing with the problems going on, where some want the purity of blood idea to rule and not allow Jews into the Catholic order at all based upon a racial or blood purity. Now, that obviously is not the Catholic teaching, and so Loyola rejecting that, that's not some abnormal thing. In fact, I would say that that's the correct thing to do, that he wasn't going to get all Nazi about it, right? And This is what often is accused of the Catholic Church as leading to Nazism, which is absurd once you start reading Nazi propaganda against the Catholic Church. And that whole idea gets destroyed. And that's something that the alternative media also does more often than not. When they promote stuff like this, they tie the Jesuits to the Nazi party. And even if some defected, or you can see a picture of a couple of Jesuits doing Heil Hitler, does that mean on the whole their policies or the bulk of them were working with the Nazis and helping them? There could be some who were engage in espionage and sort of undercover that could be a factor as well but if you actually read the propaganda coming from the nazis or their different policies it's very anti-jesuit there's a lot of occult nazis who thought there was a jesuit catholic conspiracy against the aryan people just like everyone else thinks there's a jesuit catholic uh, conspiracy but against their version of what they think is true right So, ironically, are you in um, a situation where you have strange bedfellows with the Nazis. So, this is a balanced approach coming from Loyola. So, let's also address the claim that Loyola came from converso lineage, and thus he was a crypto-Jew himself. And this will be taken from pages 50 through 52 in Merrick's book, And we'll elaborate on some other sources as well. So the only claim that I could find in all of my research of Loyola potentially having Jewish blood, not that it would matter in some all-encompassing sense, is coming from the historian Kevin Ingram, of whom Merrick's mentions. And basically he speculates on this because one of Loyola's grandfathers fit the prototype of a converso-Jew simply because he was a merchant and an aristocrat at the court. That's it. That's hardly an open-and-shut case of Ignatius Loyola's crypto-Judaism, the speculation of a stereotype of what some Jews were in the Spanish courts. So... I don't understand why people in the truther world are promoting this idea like it's some fact. I mean, this is just pure speculation. And we'll find out that even if it was true, it's really just completely irrelevant. So people are blowing something up that's just minor and insignificant and making this huge idol out of it, or anti-idol, straw man if you will, Or if you want to make a biblical analogy, they are taking the speck in someone else's eye and ignoring the log in their own because their logic just doesn't make any sense as to the level that they are making a huge deal about this. And so what I did was I went to Kevin Ingram's book called Converso Nonconformism in Early Modern Spain, and from pages 41 through 42, which you can read on Google Books if you'd like, well, we're going to read his actual claim on this. And so he states, Loyola's sympathetic attitudes towards conversos should raise the question, was he himself from a Jewish background? The saints' biographers, however, avoided this line of inquiry, preferring to focus on his paternal family's noble Basque roots for clues to his spiritual character. The Loyolas, it is true, were of an old, I'm going to butcher this name, Guipuscon family, basically an older Spanish family, Christian family, whose Hidalgo lineage possibly stretched back to the 13th century. So if Loyola is living in the 16th century, that's several hundred years, right? So his roots mostly go back, especially on his father's side, to an old Christian lineage that has no Judaism in it whatsoever. So that's just an established fact. However, on his mother's side, continuing, he says, they were well-heeled parvenus. I don't know what that means, probably just some Spanish term, who had become wealthy through trade before turning their attention toward improving their social status. Ignatius's maternal grandfather, Dr. Martin Garcia de Licona, well, his name was taken from the Basque port town, was both a trader and a letrado or bureaucrat who had risen through the royal court's administrative ranks to become auditor for the court of appeal at Valladolid and advisor to the Catholic monarch. So sorry I'm pronouncing all these Spanish words terribly. But the point is, Ignatius's maternal grandfather was a traitor and part of the administration on some level and some sort of auditor for the court. Does that prove that he was Jewish? <laughs> Not exactly. And so he says, quote, Were Ignatius of Loyola's maternal family conversos? The fact that Martin Garcia de Lacona was both a merchant and a letrado is certainly suggestive, so it's suggestive. It's not ironclad. However, if the Laconas had Jewish roots, it is unlikely that Loyola would have even been aware of this while growing up in the Basque country, where everyone maintained the conceit of an old Christian Hidalgo ancestry, It thus would have had no impact on his attitude to the new Christians. So even if this was true, Loyola wouldn't even have known. And he wouldn't think he has any Judaism in his family. So what's the point? So how is this ironclad that Ignatius of Loyola was a crypto Jew? It's just absurd. But, Mr. Ingram will speculate a little bit here, and he says, Did he, however, suspect something later as he established contact with a converso community in Castile, many of whose members had a similar profile to that of his maternal family? Loyola's early biographer and fellow Jesuit, Pedro Ribadiniera, noted that on a number of occasions, the Jesuit general had stated that he wished that he were of Jewish ancestry because Christ was born a Jew. Now, we're going to talk about that quote in a second. But the point is that Loyola is establishing contact with some Converso family. And because they had a similar profile to his grandfather, who was a merchant, that means that he started to suspect that he was part Jewish, and all of a sudden that is why he was favorable to the Jews. I mean, these are stretches here. But trying to convert Jews to Christianity, or ones who have converted but there is perhaps a fear of infiltration, is there an effort being made to get them more accustomed to Catholicism? Because in Cayman's Inquisition, as we've previously spoken about, that was one of the common complaints, and I would agree that this is a legit complaint. Some of the Jews were saying they weren't really catechized enough into Catholicism. Once they converted, they were just, I guess, left to figure it out on their own sometimes. And I see that happening in the Catholic Church, especially me having grown up in it when I was younger and I didn't know anything about what I went through in occult Catholicism, let alone any of this stuff? And is that a result of not being properly educated in all of the issues? And so, certainly, that could have been a problem. And so, are they shooting themselves in the foot, where people are naturally going to, quote-unquote, Judaize, because they don't really know all the Catholic teachings very well? Now, that certainly could be an excuse in a cover for people who don't want to assimilate and they're going to blame it all on the Christians, yeah, that could be possible too. But let's not act like that's something that never is a legit concern coming from people who convert to Catholicism. And so you have to look at both sides of it. But back to the quote-unquote conspiracy angle in the alternative media, this is the only claim that I've found suggesting that Loyola had Jewish lineage and other than that, it just comes from Protestant or occult conspiracy theorists on YouTube who disdain both the Jews and the Jesuits and want them to both be part of the conspiracy together. And I don't think that makes any sense. And they don't really provide any evidence other than Loyola being questioned by the Inquisition a few times and that he was associated with some alumbrados or Conversos. But like we said... Is his association with them trying to help them assimilate better and think about the idea of Christ sitting with the sinners, right? The ones who the Pharisees look down upon. Well, could there be some Catholic Pharisees or old Christians who are looking down upon Jewish converts who are actually sincere? And thus, there is a prejudice that is real coming from the Catholics there, and Loyola is trying to not succumb to that. So he's obeying the papal decrees on keeping the Jews out of power and, you know, finance or understanding that there is a problem here and we need to make some distinctions. But he's going to also try to do the Christian thing and welcome them into the community the best he can and not judge them until he actually sees evidence otherwise that they're being subversive, right? And the funny thing is from the Protestant side, usually, the Inquisition is deemed the most unholy thing ever, right? They call it the Holy Inquisition, and it's anything but, right? But for some reason, they'll trust the Inquisition when they are going to investigate Loyola as saying, oh, he must have been a subverter. And then you'll have some people saying that The crypto-Jews infiltrated and took over and created the Inquisition, and they're actually responsible for it when people want the Inquisition to be bad. Now, what happens if it's a bit of both? Where somebody could infiltrate and rise into prominence in the Inquisition and start using that against Catholics, that could happen. And that's what happened with the Marquis de Pombal when the Jesuits were getting expelled or suppressed in the 18th century. But the interesting thing is he was using the Inquisition through his brother to kill Jesuits. Isn't that strange? So if the Jesuits are responsible for the Inquisition, then why is the Inquisition, who's under a guy who's heavily tied to Freemasonry in Pombal, attacking Jesuits? That doesn't make any sense either. And we won't elaborate on that affair any more than we need to here. This is something that we covered in Barwell's memoirs recently, so if you're interested in that, you can sign up for the member section and go to that series. But back to Loyola being investigated by the Inquisition. One thing that Merrick's book illustrates on pages 51 through 52 is that he was denounced to the Inquisition by a converso who was actually previously defending his own brother against attacks from the Inquisition. So this does not follow as part of the quote-unquote conspiracy, whereas if Ignatius was indeed a converso-crypto-infiltrator, why is another converso who is trying to defend his brother, who is trying to enter a Catholic order against the Inquisition, well, why wouldn't they be working together here? See what I'm saying? Why is a converso denouncing Loyola to the Inquisition if they are crypto-Jews working together to destroy and get rid of the Inquisition? That doesn't make any sense. And so this is the story of the Ortiz brothers. And regardless, Loyola is acquitted. He is not charged with any of the quote-unquote heresies he was accused of. And is this something that is uh, akin to the Jesuits where They do look towards harmonizing with different cultures on issues that can be brought into Catholicism on some level. And sometimes they went a little too far, and they brought in a little bit too many of the maybe pagan elements or ceremonies. This is an accusation, and this is where them and the Franciscans or the Dominicans kind of held each other in check. But... Is that also part of Catholicism where you're looking at things like Greek mythology or pagan mythology and they were grafting in the stuff that worked, the stuff that they could harmonize with? That's not an unusual tactic. Sometimes you can fall to one side or the other. That's a very tough line to toe from the Catholic perspective. And that's something that I have to deal with all the time with dealing with some of the astrology stuff within Catholicism that we touched upon at the end of the Occult Catholicism series. And so oftentimes, your own kind can look at you with suspicion when you're trying to walk that tightrope, if you can see what I'm saying. So the point is, all of these issues are very complex. There's a wide variety of motivations for people, whether they are a Jew converting to Catholicism or an old Christian observing a Jew who has converted to Catholicism. And so, we can bring it to another angle here, where we had this alleged quote coming from the fellow Jesuit, Mr. Pedro, on how Loyola wished he was born of the line of Christ because Christ was a Jew. Now, I would posit that that quote in and of itself doesn't mean anything. In fact, if he was obsessing about Christ, then that would be consistent, trying to imitate him. But also, if he's trying to harmonize with the conversos and not demonize them in some overt sense like some of the old Christians who could get more uppity about it, doesn't mean that they didn't have proper reasons to be or things to be concerned about, but despite any elitism that was unwarranted, could that have been a way to harmonize with them, right? Or, on the flip side... This guy who is his biographer was actually a converso himself. And even Merricks says that this guy was a closet converso who, quote, may have had an agenda in spreading this information and concealing other information. And what's interesting is that this particular converso was caught masking his own origins, meaning he didn't want people to know he came from Jewish lineage. And so he's being a little deceptive already with his lineage. And was he trying to do some sort of funky manipulation here because he's the biographer of Loyola and is he trying to insert more Judaism into him than is actually found? That could be an agenda. And Merrick's even identifies that. Now this comes from another Brill book by Merrick's, A Companion to Ignatius of Loyola and taken from pages 84 through 86 That's where you will find this suspicion of these biographers of Loyola being conversos themselves who have a history of hiding their Jewish lineage, and they're going to tell you what Loyola thought of the Jews and wanting to be born to the line of Christ. So the point is, that quote in and of itself is just suspect for a lot of different reasons, but even if it were true, it doesn't matter Same as if Loyola had a grandfather on his mother's side who had Jewish lineage, that doesn't matter either in the grand scheme of things. So all of these conspiracy theories about this, if you look at the actual information on it, none of them hold any weight. None of them are tenable. So that's what we're trying to say here. Don't get overly invested in these ideas because there's just not much evidence to corroborate them. It's all purely speculation, and people talk about these things like they're facts, and it's surprising to me that people use Merrick's writings to try to justify that the Jesuits were Jews, and end of story, and they're just another subversive group trying to bring about revolutions, and they accuse them of bringing about the French Revolution, which is just so absurd especially once you read Barwell's memoirs, and we talked about that already in previous podcasts. And apparently one of these other quotes was that Loyola wanted to be born, quote, of the same blood of Jesus and Mary. And so to wrap this up, as far as I've found, most of the controversial quotes allegedly from Loyola that are overly philo are from Converso-Jewish testimonies, some of which, as we just showed, had a history of concealing their identity, i.e. they weren't being so honest about things. So how much should we put stock in these quotes that they say Loyola allegedly said about wanting to be born of the line of Mary and Christ? So moving on, let's talk about Ignatius Loyola being supportive of both the Roman and Portuguese Inquisition's despite any reservations he had about the institution at particular points and for any particular reason, depending on the context of the situation. So we're going to go to another Brill book, The Friars and Jews in the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, from pages 300 through 301 and also 309, to source some of the key issues here, where they state, Quote, Ignatius of Loyola was one of the major proponents of a conversionary program at Rome, and possibly the founder of the Roman Casa Dei Cumeni, and certainly an opponent of the introduction of the norms of Limpieza de Sangre in his new Society of Jesus. So Limpieza de Sangre is the purity of blood that is taking it to a racial understanding of the Jewish issue, much like the Nazis, and that is something that we are not promoting, and we agree with Ignatius of Loyola for not doing that. And so this was a thing that apparently happened, but before we elaborate on this, I will say that Merricks does point out in the introduction of his Jesuit Order Synagogue of Jews book that In the 1990s, there were some controversies as to if this racial prejudice as we know it today was even involved in this at all, because he says, quote, contrary to Anglo-Saxon scholarship, in other words, Whig propaganda, anti-converso sentiments in the 16th century had only socio-religious, not racial origins, according to a particular Spanish Jesuit named Francisco de Borgia Medina. And so here is a Spanish Jesuit arguing, saying that the Anglo-Saxon or Whig history is trying to make it seem like it's about race, and that the Spanish were racist when it was not. It was about socio-religious issues, and that is an Anglo propaganda. And we know that there is a history of Anglo propaganda against Spain, i.e. the black legend, that is actually based upon a racial hatred of the Spanish. So is this projecting onto others what you are doing yourself with the so-called quote-unquote white privilege coming from Anglo-Saxon scholarship to attack and slander and defame the Spanish as being inherently backwards? And that's something that We'll talk about when we get into more of the Black Legend issues in another podcast. So the point is, could the whole purity of blood issue be something completely defined in a different context back then? And we're imposing our modern definition on it. Just like I talked about in the beginning with Ayn Rand defining selfishness versus what we automatically believe that to be. I'm not saying that means I agree with everything she's saying on it, but her definition of it was very different than people were accusing of her of being. That's the point. And so is that relevant to this? And I'd love to learn more about this issue, but Merrick's only mentions it in passing in the introduction. So that is a deeper study. I don't really know where to look for for that, but I am suspect because I do know of a lot of Anglo propaganda against Catholic Spain. So back to the quote from the friars and Jews in the Middle Ages book of this Limpieza de Sangre and the new Society of Jesus. Well, they say Loyola was also one of the ideologues of the Roman Inquisition who took the side of the Portuguese courts in its conflict with Rome over the institution of a Spanish-type Inquisition in Portugal. So apparently they're trying to institute a more Spanish-type Inquisition, which is the worst of all of them, right? That's like the worst Dark Ages thing you could ever have is the Spanish Inquisition, according to the modern propaganda. So Loyola wants that style of one, or he's supporting it in Portugal. So Loyola is supporting the worst of the worst of the Inquisition, which was looking out for crypto-Jews, and Loyola is supporting it. So if he was a crypto-Jewish infiltrator, why would he support that? It would make no sense. And continuing, they state, quote, that Loyola was wholehearted in his support of the Portuguese Inquisition seems undeniable, and the role of Ignatius and his Jesuit order in reinforcing the Inquisition is beyond question. So on the whole, especially under Loyola, the Jesuits were completely supportive in enforcing the Inquisition. Now, when we get to the Memorialistas' revolt against Rome with the Jesuits, that might take a little bit more nuance to discern. But the evidence that we're getting from scholarship here is not helping the quote-unquote conspiracy theorists on Loyola being a secret crypto Jew. And in fact, if you go to some of the more quote-unquote conspiratorial Catholic writers on the other side of the coin, like we've seen in the plot against the church, Well, they say that the main tell of a crypto-Jewish infiltrator who's trying to subvert and is not sincere in their Catholicism is that they will attack the institution of the Inquisition. And so, Loyola is certainly not doing that along with the Jesuits that he is in command of. And really think about it. If he was investigated by the Inquisition two or three times, I don't remember the exact number, but the point being wouldn't he have a little bit of hostility towards it? You know, if it was the nature of men, right? The man is after you. They bring you in for questioning. You would think that if he was a crypto infiltrator, he would do even more to try to bash the Inquisition and get rid of it. But even after having been examined by it and arrested by it, he's still in support of it. So that doesn't help the argument from the conspiracy theorists on Jewish infiltration either and what's also interesting is modern jesuits will bash the inquisition like william w meisner he wrote a book called the ignatius of loyola the psychology of a saint and from pages 214 through 215 he's going to bash loyola for being too tied to the dark ages church and this will make the distinction between the old school jesuits and a modern infiltration of them, and the mindset of those modern Jesuits that this guy will embody, where he states, quote, Equally disturbing was Ignatius's support for establishing the Inquisition in Rome and the Papal States. As Revier notes, this was by no means or implying that Ignatius approved of the practices of the Inquisition without reserve. After all, he had his own difficulties with the Inquisition along the way, which we talked about. And when John III of Portugal had tried to turn the Portuguese Inquisition over to the society, well, Ignatius put off the decision as long as possible, and finally accepted the king's proposal with great reservations and regret. The original purpose had been to thwart the advance of Lutheranism in Italy, and Cardinal Carafa had pressured Paul III to establish the Roman Inquisition. Ignatius also urged other cardinals to support the project and pursued the Pope to approve it in 1542. Ignatius was moved by his fear of the spread of heretical doctrines, and one can only say that in this matter, as with his seemingly benign attitudes towards the Jews and his almost incomprehensible attitudes towards the care of the sick, Ignatius was immersed in the prejudices and misapprehensions of the age. Even saints are human. So this modern Jesuit is saying to combat Lutheran heresy by the Inquisition or Crypto-Judaism, even if Loyola was favorable towards the Jews, well, that's still just a dark age, disturbing superstition. And those were his faults, according to this modern Jesuit. So if the Jesuits are all about the Inquisition, and the Inquisition is evil and Crypto-Jewish invention? (laughs) Again, that's one of the viewpoints. I don't, don't know why. Why is this modern Jesuit of whom more people in the alternative media complain about bashing the Inquisition and Loyalist support of it? That doesn't make sense for that particular conspiracy theory. So whichever conspiracy theory about the Jesuits it is, that they invented the Inquisition to torture Jews, then... That's the Jack Chick version, and that doesn't help, according to this guy. Or the Jews who converted created the Inquisition, and that's a backwards thing. And thus, that's part of the Jewish conspiracy. They like the Inquisition. That makes no sense, because how often do the Jews get upset about the Spanish Inquisition, right? I mean, that's kind of the whole reason for it. (laughs) So that makes no sense. Occasionally, you'll hear that viewpoint. And on the flip side, the Jesuits supporting the Inquisition does not help the conspiracy theorist truthers who say that the Jesuits were infiltrating to try to subvert Christianity and things like the Inquisition, which were a bulwark against subversion. So out of those three versions of the conspiracy... There's always a major fundamental problem in regards to the stuff we're reading. And if we sort it out in the viewpoint that Loyola was just well balanced on these issues and being a real Catholic, that's the only one that actually makes sense. And here we have a modern Jesuit who is much more favorable towards new world order institutions. And we talked about all of the strange Jesuits that sound more like theosophists of the 20th century and up until the present day rather than any of these Jesuits of old that we're going to be talking about, or we have been talking about. Well, he even wants Loyola to be against the Inquisition, but he can't find any evidence of this himself, and he has to admit that he wasn't. So they want to highlight the favorability towards the Jews by the modern Jesuits, but they also want to bash the Inquisition. So this has taken the opposite approach of people in the alternative media and truther world, where this guy is focusing or trying to focus on Ignatius's loving of the Jews or favorability towards them, and he's trying to ignore all the Dark Ages stuff, but at least he admits the other side of the coin, even if he is full-on modernist, whereas the alternative media conspiracy theorists aren't being very honest by providing the other balancing side. So ironically, the Jesuits that they are saying are aligned with the New World Order are actually being more honest about Loyola than the alternative media truthers are, even though they're trying to highlight completely opposite things, right? The New World Order Jesuits are trying to highlight Ignatius of Loyola's tolerance to the Jews, but they're not neglecting the quote-unquote Dark Ages Inquisition stuff, whereas the alternative media is trying to highlight his association with the Jews for the opposite reason, that he was a subverter, and trying to bring about New World Order agendas through the Catholic Church, through this crypto-Judaism. So the point is, it's ironic that the alternative media is bashing modern Jesuits, but at least they're being more honest about the information, even though they're coming to the opposite interpretation. And the last thing we'll mention before we wrap up the first hour is that Loyola, before his death, was actually adding into his constitution's questions about new recruits and their lineage. Now, this is something I actually reversed the context by accident in occult Catholicism. Basically, the mistake that I made is I said that Loyola was getting rid of some of those quote-unquote discriminatory questions at the behest of other Jesuits who were conversos surrounding him. But I had the situation reversed, and actually... The real information from Merricks' book only helps the case against Loyola being a crypto-Jew, as we're trying to express here. So here's the situation. There were constitutions of the Jesuit order, and there were entry forms, and one was called the General Exam. And what happened was, during the formulation of these constitutions, there weren't any questions about Jewish lineage. And sometime before Loyola died, this is the bit I reversed and got wrong, he added in a question about the lineage. So this really shows Loyola's true intent. If he's about to die, and he was a crypto-Jewish subverter, and he is going to let the constitutions live on after him, why would he insert a question that will ask new recruits if they have Jewish ancestry? Now, Merrick says it's a non-discriminatory formulated question, meaning it's not overtly racist or something, but it's still there nonetheless. If he was an infiltrator, he would probably want no questions to allow more of them to come in a lot easier. And so that certainly does not help the alternative media's accusation of him being a crypto-Jewish subverter trying to get more and more crypto-Jews in and take over and destroy the catholic church from within that would make no sense. And lastly on page 80 it is also revealed that despite Ignatius's accepting of conversos into the Jesuits he said, quote, "It seems good that one ought to be more circumspect with them," implying caution and wariness of these converts. So when someone with jewish lineage came into the order, Loyola said, We should be more circumspect with them, more cautious, right? But we're still going to accept them. And until we actually see a real problem objectively, then we're going to proceed as we normally would with any recruit, right? But maybe we might want to keep our eye on them a little bit more for certain things. And if we don't see any suspicions, then you don't have a reason to accuse them of anything, right? So again, Loyola took a balanced approach. He did not ignore that there was an issue with conversos at times, but he did not reject them outright as being always infiltrators and always subverters, and in fact, that there were old Christians that took pharisaical attitudes towards them, and they were not warranted, despite sometimes perhaps having legitimate reasons for concern. So it's a complicated time, a lot of complicated issues, and you have to understand the viewpoints that any given scenario might have with somebody who is a sincere convert. And in fact, a lot of those Jews who converted to Catholicism became even better Catholics than the regular Catholics. There were some that were probably more laxed, but just out of laziness, and some that were probably coordinating a subversion in order to try to take over. But there's a wide variety of motivations and reasons, and you can't just peg them all to being the same. And that's the important point, and unfortunately that's what the alternative media is doing to Ignatius of Loyola, pegging him as having particular motivations because of some surface connections that are odd on the surface. But once you dig into the details, your point on that is completely disproven or It's just untenable. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't follow. You can have that speculation, but it's pure speculation at best. To gain access to the second hour, head to www.rockstaresoterica.com and become a member to gain all access to all content at all times. Or to purchase individual episodes such as this one, head to schism206.podbean.com.